from the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona, this is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Hello, I'm Anna Henderson, and I'm your host for this segment of Outpost Outspoken. Yuma Proving Ground proudly employs many veterans who bring their experience serving in the military to YPG. This experience helps when testing and developing equipment for the warfighter. One of these veterans is Charlie Saltz. She proudly served in the Navy and has been working at YPG since December of 2017. Welcome, Charlie. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for sitting down and talking with me. Start by telling me about your time in the Navy. Um, I enlisted in the Navy in July of 2006 and I served until January of 2012. Um, I was an aviation ordnance man and served on boats and squadrons and all kinds of places. What made you want to go into the Navy? I think at that time I just needed something outside of Yuma, which is kind of funny because I'm back. Swear I would never stay here, but you know, the world changes. So I just needed something different for myself at that time. So at 17, I joined. And then what led you to YPG where now you work in aviation, but here? <laughs> So what's funny is I actually never knew YPG existed. When I was a kid, lived here, I lived here for my high school years. Before that, I lived in California and we would drive past it. And I always just remember the palm trees kind of in the distance off of Lake Martinez. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But never, like it never clicked. Like you saw the big guns, but I think unless you know someone out here or know like a conversation happens, that makes sense. But other than that, like no idea. So a customer actually came into the place that I was working for before and uh, there was a conversation about how his daughter was also an AO. He's like, why aren't you at YPG? And I'm like, what is YPG? Um, so then I started looking into it and- ordinance, <laughs> Kind of, ordinance background just kind of plays the same. So it was within my wheelhouse, I feel like. So I applied and here I am five years later. <laughs> well, we are happy to have you. Um, you talking about seeing YPG in the palm trees as a child. I remember seeing the, you know, the big guns and taking yeah. pictures by them. So just now as an adult working here, it's funny because I was here as a child, but again, didn't really know what was happening behind the scenes. Now that you've been at YPG, you've worked in a couple different roles in the aviation branch. Tell me a little bit about that. So when I first came out here, I was in aircraft weapons. So I was gunner there. And it kind of just panned over like uh, explosives are explosives. The difference in them, like, you know, what I mean, there's technical things that are different. But if you work with explosives, you just it's mainly just the safety aspect. Uh, you just change the platforms kind of. Uh, and you say aircraft weapons. So you are loading munitions or ammunition onto an aircraft, right? Sometimes. So aircraft weapons does a kind of a realm of things. They can do anything from ground firing. They can do from aircrafts foreign domestic and then they do a lot of laser stuff inside there too so multiple things okay hard to kind of put it in one thing there's there's a lot of behind the scenes that aircraft weapons does that i don't think anybody at ypg really notices or knows they also do things like late at night we're always just this i don't know it's just a random shop in a sense that probably doesn't get seen nearly as much as what they do. Mm -hmm. I guess if, if you could put sense. that kind of. I know that you guys sometimes work those weird hours to accommodate the aircraft testing and, and all of that. So you worked there for several years and were very successful and then moved up from there. So I think it just kind of became a place to where I needed more to challenge myself. That job in itself is manually really hard. Lots of hours, downrange hours. 
I just needed something, I think, to challenge myself towards a, hopefully moving towards a supervisor position. So I was kind of topped out where I was at. So if I ever wanted to go past that, I felt like I couldn't with where I was at. So I branched out to go to a test officer to hopefully gain experience to either stay a test officer or go back to that shop as a supervisor. Very nice. I like that you have a plan. So would you say any of the different skills or attributes from the Navy were able to help you in the job that you have now? I mean, definitely ordinance is ordinance, like I said. So it, it varies like your safety wise is what saves you as far as going back and forth. There's some things that are way different at YPG that your experience behind can help you navigate, but it's still not the same. YPG's way is YPG's way. But working with other people makes it easier being in the military, kind of the chain of command makes it easier to interface with the customers uh, and your test officers before and then now to step in that position. It kind of just working so side by side with the test officers made it somewhat easy to integrate as a test officer. Just the admin stuff behind it is a lot different from what I did in aircraft weapons. So that's my challenge for now, but we'll see where that leads. So at work, we've already established super busy, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but you are also busy outside of work. You uh, have a husband, you have two boys, they all play hockey, and then you decided to take the challenge of being a hockey coach for youth. Tell me about that. My husband also works out here, Brad Saltz. Uh, he's in range control. He started the hockey fiasco, <laughs> um, actually. You're blaming um, him. I am. I'm blaming him. Um, we started coaching last year, 10U Red. So it was a sub team, like a B team to the travel teams. And he took that over and I just was the assistant coach. And then we were asked to come back again this year, which is awesome. But we had to switch it up because of his schedule. It made it to where I became head coach. He became assistant coach, which is kind of weird in an aspect because that's not how we started. But I love it. The kids are fun. Um, we just finished 10 year rec, as you know. Haley also plays on my team. I love her. So that's a lot of fun. But then now we're transferring into travel and I have the 10 year red team again. And then I also took on 14 U. So wow, look at you. <laughs> it'll be a busy season. Uh, but I look forward to it. The kids are awesome. It's cool to watch the different age brackets change. So having 10 year red last year, seeing those players this year, even in rec or even moving on to travel team, some made the competitive team. So that's cool to see that your hand was in it. But you, it's cool to see the, the red team now, like watching them in rec and what I get lo to look forward to for travel team is interesting. And then 14 U is a totally different Teenagers. breed. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of both. I think you have those kids that are trying to find themselves and decide what they want to do, but coaching just goes towards life. You know what I mean? You teach them discipline. You teach them grit. Um, you teach them that you're not always going to get what you want. You're not always going to win. And um, it transfers over. So to be a part of that is really awesome. And that's what I was going to ask you that I've seen you on the rink and, you know, and now you're kind of in a leadership role as a test officer and, you know, those leadership skills shine through. And so what do you enjoy about being a leader, whether it's to, you know, 10 year olds on the hockey rink or here at YPG in the aviation field? I think it's just about making an impact um, with kids. You know what I mean? I remember coaches and teachers that I was like, man, my high school years or, you know, what I mean, teenage years wouldn't be the same or even as a kid wouldn't be the same without those coaches or those teachers. So I'm hoping to leave some sort of an oppression like that to where a kid goes on and, oh, I remember this um, that Coach Charlie taught me. Or 
even just, you know what I mean? It might not even be a skill le level like within the sport, but just a life lesson that they were able to use later. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, so hockey makes that. And then same thing, YPG, you know what I mean? It's amazing what YPG does in general. So just to have your hand in the pot, it's really amazing to not only serve my country and get out, but be able to serve it from the civilian side and see all those changes that need to happen from the time that I was in to now and being able to still be a part of it. It's just, it's awesome. It all just kind of comes full circle for me. Well, Charlie, you are truly an inspiration. Thank you for the amazing work you do at YPG and also on the rink. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for having me. Hello, I'm Mark Schauer. For a community of its size, Yuma, Arizona has a surprisingly large and vibrant arts community. One of its most prominent members is Jose Durame, who teaches art at Price Elementary School, a K-5 school that serves students who live on post at Yuma Proving Ground. So how long have you taught art in the public schools? I've been teaching in Yuma School District 1 for 18 years as an art teacher. And how many years at Price School? Uh, this is my third year at Price. Now, these kids are kindergarten through fifth grade. Yes. What are you trying to impart with them in, in art classes? Uh, more than anything, an appreciation for art. Now, if I get them to become great artists, that's kind of icing on the cake, but at least instill in them an appreciation for art, uh, a yearning to understand it, uh, to look at it and appreciate it more than anything. What kind of projects do you do in these classes with the kids? I start from the very basics, teaching the foundations of art, learning about color, shading, uh, composition, and from there going beyond and teaching them two-dimensional and three-dimensional art. Now beyond teaching in the public schools in Yuma County, you're Yuma County native, you grew up here. Yes. And you've been recognized for your own artistic endeavors. You won Tribute to the Muses several years ago? Yes. Uh, the Tribute to the Muses is a local award that is presented to uh, people who make a big contribution to the arts locally. What's some of the things that you've done locally? I have uh, volunteered and uh, helped a group of artists. Uh, create a mural at the juvenile detention center. Uh, I've participated in uh, the Children's Festival of the Arts with uh, some local art groups. Uh, I belong to the North End Artists Co-op, uh, who is partnered through the city of Yuma. And we kind of display and demonstrate uh, what type of art we do and how we do it. Uh, Saturdays at the uh, United Building. You won a Governor's Award for your art too. Yes, uh, for the Western Region. Uh, I was nominated and uh, the Arizona Commission on the Arts uh, recognized me as the winner here in the Western Region. What's your impression of the arts community in Yuma? It's, it's surprisingly large, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's grown uh, over the years when uh, I was in high school. I remember the old uh, art center before it burnt down. Uh, as a teenager, it didn't seem that big. And then when I came back from college, it seemed way bigger. And now that I've been in Yuma teaching, 
uh, all these years, it just has blown up with public arts, uh, art festivals, uh, and little art groups uh, here and there, and uh, art activities everywhere, it seems like. It's not unusual to see your work on display at the UMART Center. Oh, no. Uh, from time to time, uh, I enter the call for artists, and from time to time, I have art displayed at the Art Center. Uh, and if it's not at the Art Center, uh, it's still through the Art Center and the City of Yuma. We have art displayed at the United Building. We have window space there that shows some of our artwork. I mean, Yuma's been my home of record, let's say, for the last 23 years or so. It seems to me that public art displays, uh, it's, it's grown a lot in recent years. I mean, municipal art, municipally commissioned artwork and things like that. Is that, is that the case? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a big push to uh, beautify Yuma. Uh, so when it's not a local artist, it's somebody uh, who's well-known that's brought into city of Yuma and through grants or uh, philanthropists, uh, you know, they are able to produce art to beautify the city of Yuma. Do you expect you're going to teach at Price School for a while longer? I think so. Uh, there's a new building coming up and I expect it to grow and a lot of those students to help out with uh, even beautifying the new school and putting art all over the place there. You already have some ideas of projects you're going to do with the new oh, building, yeah. right? I, I have ideas for murals for uh, almost like our own public space for art at the school. Jose Drama, I really appreciate talking to you today. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the Army's busiest test center.